Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian, and today we are going to talk about how to fuel your body without tracking your food. And we are also going to touch on why it's so common to quote unquote go overboard when you decide not to track. And we're also going to talk about some skills that are going to be really helpful to reduce your reliance on tracking apps, and knowing the numbers. And first, I want to give you a little bit of a life update. So I was in the United States last week, and jet lag hit me so hard coming back. So it's so interesting. Every time I go from from Spain to, like, and I go west, it's so easy to deal with jet lag. And then when I come back, it, like, throws me off completely. So this week has been really, like, getting my sleep back to normal and noticing how important it is for me to double down on my sort of wind down routines and I've also been playing with I've been noticing that Instagram has been really has been driving some like strong comparisons for me lately so I'm trying to figure out like what the best relationship with Instagram for me looks like because I notice that when I look at it when I look at people's stories especially like in the morning or especially if I'm in sort of a vulnerable place uh, with just how I'm feeling it really doesn't make me feel good which is tough because I use Instagram for work but I also want to want to start creating a little bit perhaps more structure and intention around how I use it because it's not a great feeling to look at Instagram and start comparing yourself. So with that, we are going to hop into today's episode and I'm going to start with a story. A few years back, a few years, this was probably 2017, I read a blog post by a by someone named Sohee Lee, who Sohee on Instagram, I think she's like so he fit or something like that. And she has a ton of followers. She's really great. And she's changed her mindset a lot about nutrition and fitness over the years as well. And at one point, she had written a blog post when she was prepping for a bikini show. And she talked about including a Snickers bar in her macros every single day to quote unquote prove how flexible macro tracking and flexible dieting was. And I was pretty deep into my macro obsession. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. You can be so flexible with your macros and still reach a fat loss goal. And I remember planning very meticulously how to fit this Snickers bar into my nutrition for the day. I remember playing with like, you know, moving up and down the amounts of sweet potato and and avocado, my other meals, so I could get the candy bar to quote unquote fit. And I remember, I actually, I remember this day. I remember all day long looking forward to this candy bar, thinking about it all day long. I remember my mouth watering, my heart, my heart rate increasing a little bit as the quote, the like time for my Snickers bar got closer and closer. And I also remember that when it came time to like unwrap the package, take out the bar and eat it, the first bite, I was like, this isn't even that good. Like, I don't even like it that much. But of course, I had tracked it already, so I ate it anyways. And so even though I would have much rather eaten something else, I ate it because my macros told me I could. And I realized later how fucked up that was. I was so dependent on my fitness pal and my food scale that even though I noticed that I didn't actually, I wasn't enjoying what I ate, I still ate it because I could. And when all of this happened, I was training really hard. I was competing in Olympic weightlifting and CrossFit and my, what my body looked like was really important to me. I was also really exhausted, exhausted from training, exhausted from dieting, and 
exhausted from constantly thinking about food. And I was also fearful. I was fearful of overeating. I was fearful of weight gain. I was fearful of social events that included food that I wasn't able to track or nights out with alcohol that added to my daily calorie limit. But back then, I didn't trust myself to eat the quote-unquote right amount without seeing numerical proof. And so we are going to talk about how to eat to fuel an amazing life without relying on a food scale, a tracking app, or some strict meal plan to make that happen. And so just really briefly, if you're listening to this and you're like, what are you talking about? What is macro tracking? So basically, basically macros are short for macronutrients. This is protein, carbs, and fat that makes up literally all of our food. So a chicken salad has protein, carbon, fat. Ice cream also has protein, carbon, fat. Macro tracking is simply a tool to measure the amounts of macros in the food that you're eating. Some people also track fiber. Occasionally they'll track macronutrients um, or sodium depending on, on goals. And tracking generally includes weighing and measuring your food on a food scale and entering in those amounts in some sort of app. Um, you can calculate your macros using an online calculator or you can hire someone to calculate them for you. There's a ton of apps that you can use and there are individuals that build their entire business on being macro coaches. And there are pros and cons to tracking. I'm not here. This, this is not a podcast to tell you like, this is terrible. Don't ever do this. This is a podcast to help you understand when something is helpful for you, when it's not, and what to do to be more flexible. And the pros of tracking is it's really helpful to learn like what's in your food. Like how much protein does chicken have? How much fat does chicken have, for example? It's helpful in developing a sense of accountability and can be helpful for planning. For some people, it can support working through food fears, such as, you know, bread has too many carbs or chocolate is too high in calories. And it can be helpful in assuring that you're, you're taking in adequate protein, carb, and fat intake. It also can be helpful if you have a very specific short-term goal. Um, but the cons of tracking is that it's often not used as sort of a short-term, let's use this for a while and let's get off of it. I often see individuals that will start tracking macros and they don't have an exit plan. And this is, this is really where we see the big cons of tracking, especially for those that have a tendency towards disordered eating habits or being a bit obsessive. It can make those habits a lot worse. It's also, if you're someone that doesn't have a lot of extra brain energy and you don't want to weigh and measure your food, it can be tedious and it can be time consuming. It's also, there's another con is we're not a math equation and it's normal for nutritional needs, for hunger to fluctuate across the, the course of a week or a month or a year. And macro tracking also reduces reliance on internal body cues such as hunger and fullness. It almost makes us mistrustful of our hunger and fullness. And we sort of get into the mindset, like I mentioned in the story of like, well, I tracked it so I can eat it or I can't track it so I shouldn't eat it. And it can also lead to feeling really fearful and being stressed out about stuff when you're not tracking. So it turns from a tool into a crutch. And when you have a full life, which I hope those of you listening have a full fun life, it doesn't make sense to take a food scale everywhere you go. And it doesn't make sense to be tracking your food when you're out doing life stuff. And, I, and a full life should include situations and experiences where Tracking your food in an app is not necessarily part of the, the equation. And so, yes, it's a helpful short to medium term tool for some to learn more about what's in food and how much food can support their overall goals. However, the issue that I see with macro tracking is 
the lack of flexibility and long-term vision. Because I imagine most of us don't want to be weighing and measuring our food 20 years from now or worried about how many grams of ice cream is in the scoop of ice cream that they're enjoying with their grandkids. But here's what happens is that we become so reliant on this tool, macro tracking, that we stop trusting our own judgment and we stop trusting our body's cues to make eating choices. And so if you're so reliant on macro tracking that you don't trust yourself to eat without tracking, it's no longer a helpful tool. And this is where I want to speak to coaches. So coaches, if you're listening, I would encourage you to think about how you support your clients to stop tracking macros once they've reached the specific goal that they've came to you to work on. If you don't help your clients look at how they're going to eventually become flexible with this approach, you're putting them at risk of being attached to this one method for life. And I I actually work with coaches on this inside my Confident Eater Mastermind container. So we talk a lot about how to understand when macros are or are not right for a client, how to help clients build these skills for themselves so that becoming less reliant on macros is actually easier for them. And tools to understand as a coach, when is it important to offer clients alternatives to tracking? Because sometimes we're going to go through phases of life, even on the path towards a goal where tracking just doesn't make sense. And so coaches, we need to be supporting our clients to find flexibility in their lives, not rigidity. And so I want to just share a few warning signs that it's it's time, like right now, to work on a tracking exit plan or to work on specifically building skills that reduce your reliance on tracking. And some of those warning signs are fear of eating when you're not able to track or feeling like you always need a food scale on hand even when eating out or on vacation. I know individuals that take a food scale with them when they go out to eat. That is probably not something that we want to be doing for much longer than a very short-term goal. Another warning sign is distrust of hunger and inability to respect fullness cues. This idea of, well, it's on my plate and I've tracked it so I should finish it even if you are full and you don't want to eat anymore. Constant mental calculation of macros, even if you're not actively tracking. So that might mean like, oh, I'm not going to track today, but you're still mentally calculating macros in your head. Another warning sign is guilt or shame when you're eating something that cannot be tracked. So like, let's say someone brings you a treat and you're frantically looking through MyFitnessPal to figure out like, how do I track this? And then feeling guilty or ashamed if you can't, that's a problem. Stress or anxiety in situations where tracking isn't possible We should not be feeling stress or anxiety in those situations. Our lives should include amazing situations in which tracking is not possible. And we need to know how to manage those situations without feeling stress or anxiety. And then another warning sign is obsession with quote unquote the numbers and obsession and reliance on data. And I want to give you a note. If you're listening to this and you're thinking like, no, tracking is a really great tool for me right now. Amazing. My goal is to not convince you to stop doing something that may be helpful for you. But I would encourage you to consider what does flexibility look like for you within that space? If you're feeling like you absolutely have to track and you feel uncomfortable when you don't track, what is behind that? And keep listening because there's going to be some skills that I mentioned at the end of this podcast that are going to be very helpful for you. So I do have a podcast uh, from a while back, episode 26, that also digs into some of these warning signs and gives some ideas for shifting away from tracking. And today, we are going to dig into some things to keep in mind and some specific skills that support fueling your body well 
without tracking or without being so tied to tracking that you cannot let go of it. And so here's the big question at hand. What does it mean to fuel your body? And I want to be clear, calories matter. They do. Protein, carbs, and fat matter. Fueling your body means giving it the right amount of nutrients in order to complete daily functions. And that is including, but not limited to, cognitive function, physical activity, hormone function, exercise, etc. However, the specific numbers do not need to be as exact as we think. And when we become very tied to the specific numbers and we disregard what our body feels like, that's where we can get into trouble because it's normal for our needs to fluctuate. And I want to let you know, like eating enough food, I have been on the side of not eating enough food. I've been on the side of eating too much food. And finding balance in eating enough food is kind of a magical experience. You have mental clarity, you have energy, your hair, skin, and nails have awesome quality to them. You're more motivated, you feel more joy, you have better digestion, better brain function. And fueling your body is going to look a little bit different depending on what your activities and goals are. If you're training for a specific race, fueling might look like adding in extra carbs and figuring out your hydration and electrolyte needs. Whereas fueling as someone that just wants to, you know, exercise or lift weights a few times a week and generally enjoy your life might be more focused around like, am I getting in enough protein and am I making sure to eat something pre-workout? And eating enough without tracking looks like paying a lot more attention to how your meals and snacks affect you physically and mentally instead of, does this fit my numbers? Fueling your body without tracking requires a balance between internal and external wisdom. And here's what happens is that when we track, we get very tied to that external wisdom. We get very tied into like, is this quote unquote macro friendly? Like, it does this have the right amount of macros? But we don't necessarily tap into how is this food affecting us physically and mentally? Do I enjoy eating this food? Is this satisfying to me? Here's something that I found really interesting that when I was tracking macros, I heard this and I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't believe it. I don't believe this is bullshit. But the truth is, is that even if you are tracking your macros, the numbers are not exact. Nutrition labels have a margin error of up to 20%. And there's so much margin of error within like cooking methods, human error, et cetera, et cetera. Even food scales can be inaccurate. And so while we get very tied to the accuracy of tracking, what we forget is that it's not necessarily an incredibly accurate tool. It's simply a tool that can help you determine how much of things you can you are eating and what works for your goals. And so connecting with that internal wisdom looks like checking in more with yourself, with your internal cues. How certain meals affect your energy, how your recovery feels, how long a meal might keep you full or satisfied for. And another justification, another thing that I hear a lot And there are some individuals out there that I follow on social media that I think they've been tracking their macros for like 10 years. And for me at that point, I'm like, 10 years, like you should know at this point, like you should know how much is in your food. I don't know why you're tracking anymore. But a justification is what gets measured gets managed. Macro counting counting is often compared to financial budgeting. If you know how much money is in your bank account, you know how how you spend that money, you can reach better financial health. However, if you're not taking into consideration the impact of your financial decisions on your mental well-being, it is not a healthy budget. 
I don't know about you, but personally, I don't want to have to look at my budget every single time I buy a coffee. And ultimately, as I learn to manage my money better, I would like to become more flexible with my budget, not constantly fearful of going over or being under. And so here are kind of the two main fears that I hear. If I stop tracking, I'm going to undereat or overeat and my body will reflect it. And if I stop tracking, I won't be consistent in my eating habits. And here's the truth. It is going to take some trial and error to learn your hunger and fullness cues. And you may have a period of time, if you don't track, if you're deciding, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore, you may have a period of time where you find yourself wanting to indulge in foods that you had placed limits on while you were tracking. This is totally normal and you will get to a point where you become habituated. So food habituation, I think I have an episode, I think it's episode 56, talks about food habituation. So essentially stopping, you stop seeing food as special when you get used to having it around. And that makes it a lot easier to choose, I will have this, I will not have this, I will have this much, I will not have this much. Which brings me to the next point, and I mentioned this earlier, is that your nutrition needs are not static from day to day or season to season. It's totally normal to need a little bit more energy some days, a little bit less energy other days. And in regards to consistency, if building structure into your eating habits has been helpful for you in maintaining that consistency, tracking is not the only way to build in structure. It may be a way that has worked for you, but again, if any of the warning signs I mentioned earlier resonate with you, it may not be the right form of structure for you right now in this season of life. And here's the brutal truth. If you've been tracking for a while, you know what's in your food. You know how much protein is enough protein. You know what a balanced plate of food looks like. But you probably haven't been paying attention to your internal wisdom as much as you have to your external wisdom of is this macro-friendly, is this not macro-friendly. You're probably not as comfortable with the normal fluctuations of your hunger over the course of time. And some days you might be force feeding yourself extra food, while other days you're so hungry and you're like, what is wrong with me? I understand that most of us want to live a life that allows us freedom, but if you don't trust yourself quite yet, it can feel like we still need this specific tool. And so let's talk about some tools and skills that can support you fueling your body without tracking. To, I want you to remember that just because you don't track your macros anymore doesn't mean that protein, carbs, and fat doesn't matter. And often we go into this mindset of like, ooh, I'm not dieting, so I can eat whatever I want. And it's like, well, if we want to feel good, if we want to fuel our bodies, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden we completely forget about nutrition and we completely forget about what our body actually needs to thrive. It can mean a lot more flexibility and there is a lot of excitement when you're like, oh, I'm not restricting myself anymore. But a few things really important to keep in mind. Protein is satiating and is likely to help you feel full for longer. However, you're also not going to die if you don't have X amount of protein in every single meal. Fruit and veggies, whole grains, foods that are higher in fiber are also satiating and provide lots of nutrients. Fruit and veggies specifically, high in water content, high in fiber, high in vitamins and minerals. And you're also not going to die if you don't eat vegetables in every single meal. As I mentioned, not tracking doesn't mean all of a sudden I don't pay attention to portion sizes. And so as you work on becoming more flexible, it can be helpful to start eyeballing your normal portion sizes and start paying attention to how satisfying those normal portion sizes are. Some foods are high in energy, but not very satiating. That means it might taste really good and they give you energy, but they don't leave you feeling full for very long. 
this is where it can be really helpful to use internal wisdom. Like pizza tastes really, really good, but a couple slices of pizza is probably not as satiating for as long as a piece of pizza with some chicken salad on the side, right? And it's likely that you're going to get excited by the thought of being able to include foods that aren't macro-friendly. As I mentioned, this will die down, especially if you work on the skills that we are going to talk about now. And so into the actionable tips part. All of this takes practice, trial and error, self-awareness, and probably a certain amount of coaching or support. Similarly to when you started tracking macros, you probably had a learning curve where you were like, ooh, this is hard. I'm not doing this right. The same thing comes for learning to be more flexible and not track macros. Also a learning curve. And so inside the Confident Eater, my group coaching program, we talk specifically about this mindset of being open to learning and how to manage all or nothing thoughts that come up along the way, how to manage the frustration of like, why am I not good at this yet? And I'm also going to mention the skills that we're talking about. All of these skills are also skills that we work on inside the Confident Eater together. So in the Confident Eater, you will get coached on these skills. So that means I will often ask you challenging questions that make you think and make you reflect on, oh, this is how I can do this thing. I want to talk about a couple of methods that you can practice as an alternative to tracking. And there's a big overarching theme that I want you to pay attention to. And that theme is eating full meals at least two to three times daily, at least, I recommend three, I know some people like less, and do those meals include protein, fat, carbohydrates, and fiber. Most people do well with anywhere from three full meals to three full meals and a few snacks per day. And most people do not do well when they're, when they're going more than three to four hours between meals. And most people don't do well when they wait to eat until they're starving. And then there are two methods that I really like that can help you pay attention to portions without needing exact numbers. One is hand portions and the other is the balance plate method. And both of these can provide a certain level of structure and guidelines. And with the hand portions, so Precision Nutrition actually has a free guide on this. And this is where I work with most of my clients is on establishing the hand portions that work the best for you and adjusting those to fit your needs. And essentially the idea here is that our hands correlate with the amount of food that can fuel our bodies each day. And you can use this as a more flexible way to eyeball what's on your plate. And this is cool because your hands also travel with you and you can use them as a guide rather than a hard and fast rule. The second method, and this is the method that I use myself, is I aim for about 25 to 35% of a, of a protein-rich food on my plate, about 25 to 35% carbs on my plate, and then around half some type of veggies, and then there's some fat, there's a little bit of fat thrown in, in there. So whatever percentage is left over. And this will fluctuate depending on the day, depending on my preferences, depending on my hunger levels. And then when it comes to snacks, I have a podcast on healthier snacking. I think it's around like the 35, episode 35 more or less. You've probably already got a repertoire of snacks that work for you. But if you're not tracking, again, you might be excited about including more variety. So one guideline that I find really helpful for ensuring you're eating satisfying snacks to fuel your body is to aim to eat snacks that include at least two out of three macros. So that is a snack that has protein and fat, fat and carbs, protein and carbs. We are getting to the skills and then we are going to wrap up. Skill building is going to be a key component of supporting 
you being more flexible with your eating. And these are a mix of interoception skills and mindset skills. So interoception skills are skills to help you understand what's going on in your body. And mindset skills are like, what's going on in my mind? And inside The Confident Eater, we work on these skills step by step so that you can build up a repertoire of skills that support you being flexible in different situations in your life and also you trusting your internal cues. And so these skills are in no particular order, but learning physical hunger and fullness cues is really important. However, it can be very challenging to reestablish trust in those cues when you spent a long time being fearful of hunger or just simply ignoring your hunger. And one way to get started is to start making educated guesses. Inside The Confident Eater, I share both a hunger rating scale and a hunger guide, which actually if you join the waitlist for The Confident Eater, you get access to this hunger guide. And this hunger guide helps you familiarize yourself with different levels of physical hunger and different types of hunger. And so I would start out by just checking in before a meal and saying, how hungry am I? What does this hunger feel like? And as you do this, you're going to start to notice subtle differences and know that my hunger cues are different than your hunger cues. And again, inside The Confident Eater, I coach you individually on understanding those if that's something that you need help with. And again, different types of hunger is really important because food is not just fuel. This idea of you should only eat when you're physically hungry is not a concept that I am aligned with because food should bring us pleasure. And there's nothing wrong with eating just because you want to taste something delicious. However, understanding to differentiate between emotional hunger, taste hunger, practical hunger, all of these things can reduce food guilt and help you feel a lot more in charge of how you approach eating. The next skill is the self-check-in. And this is a mindfulness skill that opens up a lot of understanding about you and helps you build self-awareness. One of the things that I coach clients on in The Confident Eater is how to shift away from this belief that pausing or taking a moment is actually taking away from productivity. I often work with a lot of individuals who feel like me checking in with myself, taking time away from my computer, away from my phone, is taking time away from how productive I can be in a day. When we're talking about building trust in your internal wisdom, we need to offer ourselves the space to ask, what is actually going on inside of me? What is my brain telling me? What does my body feel like? And so the self-check-in helps you start to notice your patterns and it unlocks a new level of self-awareness. We also want to start gauging your, if you're looking to fuel your body, we want to start understanding recovery, mindset, levels of focus, This is a big part in becoming aware of like, this is what I ate and this is how it affects me. And then a couple extra skills, and these are kind of groups of skills, emotional coping skills. Food can be one of your coping mechanisms, but if it is the only one or the main one, it's important to look at how to build your skills and and increase your toolbox so that you don't always feel like you need to turn to food when you want to reward yourself or when you feel upset. And this includes being able to call out what you're feeling and notice the urge to eat emotionally. Inside TCE, we actually, we have a lesson on surfing the urge, which is a tool to start practicing mindfulness to understand how you want to respond to cravings. I also have a, um, episode 72 is all about emotional regulation. And then mindful eating skills is a really key part of this. And this is a wide group of skills. And inside The Confident Eater, we work on sort of four main skills, a, model, a framework that I created called the SAS model, S-A-S-S. 
And it focuses on four key skills, which include the self-check-in, practicing attention while you eat, checking in with your speed, and engaging your senses while you eat. And then the last one is practicing compassionate self-reflection. This is an amazing skill because it takes you away from this like, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure, I fucked up, to, huh, this didn't go how I planned. What happened? How can I help myself do this better next time? And this is part of a self-compassion practice. And again, you'll get another framework for this inside the Confident Eater that helps you name the struggle that comes up and understand how you can respond to it mindfully and without beating the shit out of yourself. Then the last skill that I'll mention is values-based decision-making. This is a skill that truly supports feeling aligned with your food decisions. With tracking, sometimes we make decisions just because they fit our macros or we become distracted from being present in our lives because we're tracking or thinking about tracking food. Connecting with your values and learning to use those values as a filter for your decisions makes it easier to feel in charge of the decision to do I eat, like do I eat that cookie now or does that cookie not align with what I actually need? All of these skills are part of the process of becoming confident in your eating habits. Whether you would like to continue tracking to a certain extent and just build in flexibility or whether you're ready to stop tracking, the Confident Eater will guide you to build these skills so that you can be more flexible and intentional and will help you stop beating yourself up when you're not perfect. And I want to share a message that I got from one of my TCE clients yesterday who is in the process, this is someone that's been tracking macros for a long time, is in the process of learning what flexibility feels like. And she says, I can't make it today and it's such a bummer because I get so much out of our calls. I'm still in the space of exploring what hunger, fullness, and satisfaction feel like and I had an interesting couple of days because it was my birthday and we've had extra sweets in the house. A couple of times I did overeat and then I wondered why I let myself do that because I have been better about slowing down and checking in. And then a couple of times I also noticed a pull to eat just because food was there, but I was able to check in with myself and I realized it's not what I really wanted and was able to redirect. So I would call that progress. I would totally call that progress. And we actually addressed this. So she wasn't able to make it to the call, but we addressed this. And we also addressed vulnerability factors and challenging eating suggestions or challenging eating situations in our call. The next Confident Eater cohort starts on June 26th. And I do have early enrollment opening now. And I'm going to be opening chat support beforehand. Um, So I'm going to be opening module one and chat support around June 12th. So if you would like to learn more about TCE, you can add your name to the wait list that is in the show notes and you'll also get a peek into the mindful eating module. I'll send you the four different types of hunger guide so you can start to dig into that. You can also listen to episode 77 and if you would like to get in with early enrollment and get some chat support and access to module one which digs into values and values-based decision making, if you want to get into that early, go ahead and DM me on Instagram. You can DM me TCE. And I will know that that is in regards to the confident eater. So with that, my friend, thank you so much for being here. I know this was a bit of a longer episode, but we had a lot to cover. Any questions you have on this, please, please, please send them my way. I want to make sure that this is really clear and that you can understand all the different angles. And sometimes that's challenging to do in a podcast. So if you do have any questions that come out from this, you can also DM me on Instagram. And um, the link for my Instagram is in the show notes. And I would love to chat with you. Those of you that have been sharing this episode, that have been uh, tagging me on Instagram, thank you so much. Please keep doing that. I absolutely love it. 
And I hope that you have an amazing rest of your day, no matter what you're doing.